What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Our sermon this morning will deal with numerous topics, some of which are God's expectations of us and the knowledge that he will always care for us. And also this main idea that throughout the year and always, there are times when we need to stand in for Christ. Hear first the scripture from the Old Testament. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 20, the Ten Commandments. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. For God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. And from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap any store away in barns, and, let your, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here tomorrow, or here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not that much more clothe you? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I'll begin my sermon today by sharing some names. These are out-of-date names and out-of-season names, especially in the holiday sense and even in the sense of the sporting world. And I promise this will all come together eventually. Ed Cranepool, Manny Moda, Smokey Burgess, Lenny Harris. It's an interesting list, no? And again, a strange list for this time of year. During Christmas season, if non-biblical names are used in church, those names are often much different than the ones I just shared. You might hear of Dasher or Dancer or Prancer or Vixen. You may hear of Rudolph or Santa Claus. But in some ways, Comet and Cupid and the rest and Frosty and the little drummer boy and Charlie Brown even have become as much a part of the Christmas story as Mary and Joseph and Jesus himself. But Manny Mota? Odds are that most people here have never heard of Manny Mota, and he's not the Emmanuel that we sing of this reverent season. I remember a warm day in 1979. It was July. I was with my dad. We were sitting in the upper deck of Shea Stadium, the home of the New York Mets. I was already a fervent Yankees fan, but I loved baseball in general, and this was my first time going to a ballpark other than Yankee Stadium. I don't recall much about the game, except for the fact that the Mets were playing the Dodgers, and the game, I believe, went into extra innings. It was that close. And I remember late in the game, the Mets sent up an aging veteran to come off the bench and try to get a big hit. And that player's name was Ed Cranepool. I don't remember if he got a hit or not, but I do remember the crowd all cheering this old-time player as his name was announced. And as he walked up to the plate, the love for Ed Cranepool was apparent even to me in that moment as, a, as an 11-year-old kid. Together, all the fans wished and wanted for Cranepool to deliver, to come through, to get a pinch hit. It's not easy to come off the bench and deliver late in the game. 
As I think back at that moment as an adult and someone who still loves sports, especially baseball, I sometimes wonder at the love and the adulation that we give our sports heroes. The fans were on their feet cheering for Eddie Cranepool, this great old ball player. But when was the last time that we were ever on our feet cheering for God or for Jesus? That, though, is a thought for another time. You see, all those names I mentioned before were famous baseball players, players who became somewhat legendary for one unique skill. They were all great at pinch hitting. Late Thursday afternoon, Reverend Neville called me. He asked if I could deliver the sermon and run the service today. I, of course, said, yes. I love having the opportunity to preach and to share the word of God, to share my love of Christ and to come together in fellowship as we do this. So maybe it's understandable that as he asked me to pinch it for him, the first people I thought of were ballplayers. As I begin my work as a pinch hitter, I hope I can perform as well as those who performed similarly. In a short time, I needed to come off the bench and deliver a base hit or hopefully even more. You know, it's a Sunday in December, and we usually don't think of baseball at this time of year. If we think of sports at all, we often think of football. The playoffs are coming. Every game matters. Football takes priority in many homes. It takes priority over family and friends. It takes priority over church and worship. And it even takes priority over praying. Well, to be fair... If the game is close and it's late, the praying factor might actually increase while watching some football games. Football doesn't have pinch hitters, but it has its own equivalent, the place kicker, a person who comes off the bench and tries to deliver in a pinch. He often has to come into the game in a pressurized situation and kick a football 40 or more yards between those tall yellow uprights in the end zone. It might look easy. Ah, let's not kid ourselves. That doesn't look easy. Christmas is in two weeks, and we'll be celebrating the most wonderful holiday when we honor and remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was actually the greatest pinch hitter of them all. Of that, there is no doubt, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Being a good person is hard, and being a good Christian is even more difficult. Remembering God and Jesus and doing the right thing, it can be hard. It can be tough. Just a few moments ago, we listened to the Ten Commandments as delivered by Moses to the Israelites. And those are important rules, the most important ever. God set a high standard for us to live up to. And... As it has been said before, these are not the ten big ideas or just a few suggestions. They're more than that. The word that defines those laws are commandments. They are the commands from God. They're the rules that we must follow and live up to. And we know we have to do it, and we try. 
And I'd argue that much more often than not, we do succeed. We adhere to the commandments. And as we live our lives also with Christ in mind, and as we wonder, what would Jesus do? We often try to emulate his example. We follow his rules. We try to turn the other cheek. We try to love others as we love ourselves. And we try to pray and to give generously from the heart. But again, it's not easy. Giving generously from the heart? We know we should probably give more to charity, but the driveway needs to be repaved, and the roof is in its 26th year, and those old windows, let alone the tires on the car, and the price of gasoline and groceries? And we do need to buy the very best Christmas presents this year, maybe in the hopes that we get some of the best Christmas presents in return. And it would be a good time to spend more time giving to others, volunteering in one way or another, but our families and our friends need us, and everything is so busy right now, and we're tired. We know we should make more time and give more of ourselves, and we try, but sometimes there just isn't more to give. We know that God says if we give generously, he'll give back to us, that he'll take care of us in return. We just heard those words. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God will care for us. He always does. But forgive me, please. I've never seen Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or... St. Peter or St. Paul or any of the heroes of the Bible laying roof shingles on the homes of those who give the most generously. So as we try to do the work of the Lord, we often get caught up in the realities of life. I think we always desire to stand in well for Christ, but I think we also strike out far too often. Remember being a kid? The magic of Christmas? You know, Santa was one who came off the bench every year and always delivered. Santa didn't let us down. Every Christmas morning, he delivered in one way or the other. He delivered to you and me with toys and lots and lots of joys. In my house, it was always best when Santa delivered things with no assembly required. <laughs> and I still believe in Santa Claus. In fact, Next week, I'm going to be spending some very close time with Santa in the Grace Church Nursery School. And many of you know that for many years at the Grace Church Fair for Christmas, that Santa and I were very, very close. And when we were children, it was Santa who helped make the holidays special. He stepped up to do the work of Christ in his way, to bring good tidings and great cheer to all people. And if you think of it, in his, in his own way, Santa Claus, as he travels the globe on Christmas Eve, is pinch-hitting for Christ. But then Santa takes the rest of the year off, and he leaves it to others to do Christ's work. He leaves that work to us. See, we are needed each and every day to pinch-hit for Christ. And Christ needs us to be the examples for the world 
And not just for the world that's out there, the big world, the world we live in, the abstract world, the world that surrounds us each day. No, Christ needs us to be examples in our towns, in our villages, and in our places of work. He needs us to be exemplars in our homes and with our families and friends. And unlike baseball and football, there is no off-season in doing the Lord's work. Christ needs us to love our enemies. I love how he tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that it's easy to love those who love us, but that we have to love everyone. I tell that to my college students who aspire to be school teachers. It's easy to love the best kids, the children getting A's, the ones who always behave, but the ones who need the teacher's love the most are the ones who seem to be the most unlovable. Every day through the way we respond to others and the way we, we respond to situations, both good and bad, we need to think about honesty and love and compassion and find ways to respect and live the life that Christ wants us to live as we pinch hit for him. In a way, that's called discipleship. It's not just following, it's leading the way. It's stepping up at the big moment and delivering. And Jesus knows it's not easy. He knows it's hard because he had it tougher. A long time ago, Jesus pinch hit for us, all of us. And if we think that we don't have the time or the energy or the resources to pinch hit for Jesus, think of how he pinch hit for us, all of us. He did this by taking on the sins of the world and being put on a cross and suffering and dying so that we all might live. And if Christ was willing to pinch it for us in that manner, it should not be a lot then for us to be able to step in and pinch it for him, God's son, the son we celebrate every Christmas. In all of life's circumstances, let's consider what Jesus would want us to do when we're out shopping and we're rushing in our cars and someone cuts us off. Let's think how Christ would want us to respond. When we're asked to serve, let's step up and determine that there are not other more pressing needs. Have you ever noticed that when we're asked sometimes to step up, so there are pressing needs that became much more important before, <laughs> or that were much more important only after we were asked to do something differently? When we're asked to love, let's love. Of course, we're human, and being part of human is being flawed and with sin and being prone to make mistakes, even though we know we have to do better. God, Jesus, need us to step up. And part of pinch hitting for Jesus is letting him into our lives. And it won't be easy. It's never easy. Nothing good is ever easy. But we have to know that as we stand in for Christ, as we pinch hit for him, that he'll be standing there right beside us. If we let him in, he'll help us drive that pitch, maybe even out of the park. So let us today, because Jesus loves us, be great pinch hitters. Let us today be surrogates for Christ, 
and work to live our lives always and in every way the way Christ would want us to live. Let's show the world through our daily actions that Christ is within us and that we are with him. Let us deliver for him as he delivers for us. Let us all be great pinch hitters. We already know what to do. Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.